Oh, hi there. You've joined me once more on the Virtually Agile podcast. I'm Chris Stone, the Virtual Agile Coach, and today, virtual meets visual as we explore the power of visual thinking in the workplace. Hold on tight, click that subscribe button to stay abreast of the latest episodes and enjoy the show. You are back once again on the Virtually Agile podcast. I'm Chris Stone, the Virtual Agile Coach, and today, virtual meets visual as I'm joined by the Visual Agile Coach someone who leverages the power of visuals to improve communication, engagement, and the delivery of value. Welcome to the show today, Olina. How are things in your world? Thanks, Chris. I'm pretty good. Um, I just uh, started to get, get into this vacation mode right now. So I'm relaxing, you know, tidying up my backlog and just getting into my vacation mode, basically. Amazing. Now, Alina, just who and what is the Visual Agile Coach? Um, the Visual Agile Coach is basically, so um, when I started out working with Agile, I was, uh, I was uh, a project manager for many years, and then I entered the Agile word, uh, world, and um, I started to... Um, I started to experiment with uh, combining visual practices with agile ways of working, and uh, it worked pretty well. So um, a couple of years ago, I formed something that I called the Visual Letter Coach, and I'm still developing the concept. Okay, and and you're a believer in the power of visuals in the workplace. What do you believe the benefits are in using them? Well, I sure am. Well, I totally can see the effect when we use visuals uh, in different contexts. So, for instance, when we are having a, uh, a remote meeting or when we're doing a planning together or we're doing a workshop or, or anything like that, I certainly see the effect and the energy that, that visuals can help with. It certainly shapes the shapes a better environment for collaboration and clarifying things, clarifying information and really getting people on board and getting people engaged. I definitely agree with you, particularly on the engagement side of things. You're, you're probably very aware the the sorts of visuals I use are, are largely or have largely been in the, in the retrospective space. Mm. And just the, the impacts they've had on energizing people in connecting people to the subject matter, but also getting them thinking a little bit differently, engaging different parts of their brain to unlock potentially solutions to old problems that they haven't been able to surface before. Exactly. Yeah, something happens when people, when they get something to to look at instead of just getting uh, a bunch of bullet points or just hearing someone talking, uh, you certainly see uh, people getting, people connect to another side of their brain obviously uh and get more prone to interact and and uh, speak their minds and they get a whole other level of engagement basically they really do do you have a particularly favorite visual you've created or, or which of yours has been the most popular 
Um, of the ones that I put out on LinkedIn, I think the one that the yellow one, I think you posted that, that one as well, that describes the future workplace or the future ways of working, basically. That one was really popular. Uh, but also, I see a really people really appreciate when they get a visual of a process or something describing, for instance, the Scrum framework or something like that. People really appreciate getting visuals for that kind of thing because it's a kind of abstract, you know. So when people when people are able to view a process or uh, a step-by-step visual for something, they really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I definitely believe it helps with knowledge retention in particular. I recall first encountering the the house of lean Mm. uh, early early on in my agile journey and i remember the the original version of that was basically like this just black and white photo of a you know a pillar-esque greek style architecture yeah and it just had obviously that it had had house of lean and it had all of the the pillars Mm. but it was it was kind of it was written sideways you had to turn your head like this to be able to understand it and (laughs) and it just it never really resonated with me in the way that the one that you've shared has mm. and obviously you, you've you've done yours and it, it looks more like a, a physical house something that people mm. relate to a bit more because when you see that other visual who, who lives in one of those uh old greek architecture style buildings but it looks like an actual house and it's got like you know, you know the, the, the roof and all the other places and it's it's just written in a different way and, and produced in a different way and that one was far more memorable for me mm. particularly as the information was displayed in an easily read format yeah, just having to turn this. Exactly, you know. exactly. And on top of that, I think you're English speaking, obviously, uh, um, it's your mother tongue. But for others who need to study that kind of thing. So, for instance, when I did all those exams that you're talking about, uh, SAFE and whatnot, and you encountered that sort of visual, it was really, first of all, uh, reading it like that, like you said, and then interpreting interpreting the language is another barrier so it was i felt it was even that is even another uh impediment for me to learn that so i really need a visual to accompany accompany the word uh as i need to translate translate that to my own language as well i think we've just touched upon another really powerful point around the use of visuals in, in that using visuals a bit like music it transcends language and culture so regardless of where you're from you can see a picture Mm. uh, and an image and and it might be more easily understood than if you just saw the words so many people will be familiar with yeah if they see a tree they know that's you know i can see an image of a tree it's far more concrete than the word tree so using using visuals like this can help you with learning new topics, new new techniques, yeah. retaining that information, and then probably even drawing connections between that information and your own context. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, on we have I have another really cool example. I think the the world champion champion in memory is a Swedish guy, and I remember reading his book a couple of years ago, and he's his best tip was actually adding a symbol to each chapter when you had to memorize, for instance, a process or, uh, well, anything basically. Uh, and that was his, that was his, um, uh, his way of, uh, or his system, basically how he remembers stuff. And he obviously he remembered like 
a thousand digits or whatever he remembered. I don't know. Uh, but he attached a symbol to each thing or each uh, section. And that's how he, how he saw that in his memory later on. Yeah, there's, uh, there's famous memory techniques mm -hmm. such as the memory palace where yeah. you retain, you, you practice storing information in, in different rooms of a house and you, you imagine yourself physically walking through this house, turning left perhaps into this room yeah. and that might be the room with this, this um, category of information. Then you mm -hmm. go up the stairs into the attic and that's where this information is stored. And the act of physically locating it into places where, that you can, you can really visualize mm -hmm drastically helps with uh, memory retention yeah really great tip fascinating techniques there's a, a also huge misconception out there mm. about people's ability to draw mm. many people believe they, they can't do it or they, they write yeah. themselves off they have this limiting belief before they've even gotten started yeah and i obviously was in i was in a workshop of yours back mm. in uh, back in march in finland where mm. you were you were teaching people how to do this that regardless of their ability mm. they can draw yeah so for any of our listeners who perhaps have those same limiting beliefs, what advice do you have for them to, to get started with creating their own visuals? Uh, well, there's several. So I think I read a study saying that something happens to, because if you ask the same question in the, in the first grade class, you know, everyone raises their hand. Everyone can draw, obviously, if you ask a kid. But then something happens in the age of, oh, I think it was eight or nine or so. Uh, where we certainly, uh, where we suddenly get more, um, more uh, prone to uh, to consider other people's opinions about stuff, so we get more um, conscious about that sort of thing, and uh, um, unfortunately, that stays on. So we keep we uh, get stuck with that, you know, that worry about getting judged or whatever that is. And most people uh, still carry that on into adult life. And I often say, just first of all, it doesn't. When you have, when you're drawing to convey uh, an, a message or or getting um, something across to the other person, it doesn't have to be art, right? And most people can actually draw a straw man. Um, and if they can't draw a straw man, everyone can draw a circle, and they can draw lines and they can draw basic figures and if you can write letters you can you certainly know how to draw a box you certainly know how to draw a circle and so on and you build on that it's just getting over that that incredible harsh inner voice telling you something you shouldn't listen to really it's the burden of uh knowledge and experience and uh the world you faced around you, it's a bit like um, when it comes to creativity, children are some of the most creative people there are because they are unhampered by previous experiences, by uh, the perceptions of the world of what can and can't yeah. be. Mm. And they will just create things with reckless abandon. They don't care. They'll just, they just go off into their own little world and create things. Yeah. And as you say, as you, as you get older, you start to learn, well, I've tried that before and it didn't work. Mm. Or I was, I was judged for sharing that idea in the past. So I won't do that again. Or that's improper to share about mm. that. So I won't do that. Or, or, or otherwise there's lots of these little things that, that tell yeah. us don't do that. Mm. And I think the same is true of, uh, of drawing. You, you used to be able to do in the past and over time, 
that ability erodes, but also I guess practice. Mm. If you don't practice very often, you're you're not going to be as confident with something. Exactly. You stop speaking a language for a few years, you're going to be a bit rusty and be like, oh, should I should I should I say that? Yeah. Am exactly. I ready? Yeah, exactly. So just go ahead and, and practice. And strawman is just perfectly fine, you know. Strawman and speech bubbles so, go a long way. So strawman, speech bubbles. Are there any other, I, I guess, techniques or resources you can point people towards to to help them get started? Um, I mean, if you um, if you want to develop your ability to draw like more art. More perfectly, so to speak, in more detailed way. Obviously, sketch noting is a great way to get into the subject. Otherwise, um, otherwise, just trying to uh, capture a meeting or or even try to start write letters, drawing letters is a good start as well. Because obviously, you can you can write. So turning letters into uh, different, you know, different types of, uh, uh, of um, looks and feel, you know, drawing fat letters, drawing narrow ones, drawing, you know, in whatever way you feel like. That's a good way to start as well. Images resonate with me so much. I, I long for the day, Olena, when there's a, a bit of AI out there that can basically just transcribe any meeting that I'm part of and turn it yeah. into a bit of a visual story for me in seconds and I could just look at that and go yep that's what happened in that meeting rather than just being a huge wall of words that immediately makes me like I don't want to read that yeah exactly and I guess that's not too far away potentially so yeah. now uh what what's your favorite story relating to the use of visuals in the workplace have you got examples that you can share of how visuals have perhaps significantly improved something for those that you've worked with yeah. So my favorite example uh, is uh, of the company Rouge Pharmaceuticals. They did a, a visual version of their strategy. And in, and prior to having that in place, I think the, the number of, uh, was it like 46% of the employees understood that vision and that strategy. And after implementing, implementing that visual of the same thing, the percentage was up, was up uh, above 90%. 90% of everyone understood what they were talking about and what the vision was all about. And about 84% of everyone even understood how their daily job aligned to that. So I think in particular, visions are often like uh, fluffy words, a lot of, uh, you know, buzzwords maybe and, and, a lot of values and so on. And if you're able to visualize that, that can be really powerful uh, to align people behind. Um, so that is, a, that is a good example of how that was successfully implemented. Um, otherwise, I like really like story mapping. So that is, when I come to a company, I often look for uh, that sort of thing, like have they mapped out somewhere in here a story like a story map that really tells me like how their product is planned to roll out or how it works or what they're working on right now and so on so i said story mapping is a really cool thing love that nice i like the the, the previous example was i should say very powerful like almost a 40 to 50 percent increase yeah in someone's ability to understand something as important as a, a strategy Exactly. What a result. 
Yeah. I, uh, I've been thinking for a while that, 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 that we, we, we certainly need more of these sorts of things. Imagine, mm. imagine large groups of people coming together on this big multi-million pound project. Mm. And, and what commonly will happen is, you know, a massive document is written up defining exactly what that project is and what the scope of it is. And mm. there's lots of commercials involved, et cetera, et cetera. And then a bunch of third parties are gathered together into a team and said, right, this is, this is what we're trying to achieve. Mm. And ultimately, it's, it is just a huge wall of text with lots yeah. of things to, to, to remember. And, yeah. and, it, it, you know, and then you and then you go off into your day to day work and remembering exactly the details of that and the nuance involved. Mm. There's got to be a better way of turning those sorts of documents into mm. something more visual. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. I'm I'm instantly thinking on graphic recording to capture that sort of because what you're describing sounds to me like uh, when you have, like, when you like, when you run like a really cool kickoff uh, to start off something really big, or you have a workshop to, um, to explore something together, and then you have a really good time and you, everyone is really engaged and so on. And then a couple of weeks after, like, what did we really agree on? But having someone to capture that visually is really so cool, um, which is called graphic recording. Um, and that is something that it's really big in Germany. I think we're just, we're starting to, uh, to pick up here, uh, Nord, Northern of Europe, but, um, um, I wish that that could be more common. I think it will be in the future. I, I, I hope so. As someone who is a huge believer in visual thinking, who, who mm-hmm. find it particularly resonates with my own learning style and my ability to retain knowledge i I look forward to the day when it's just part and parcel of how we do things yeah so who else who else out there elena should we be aware of in the the visual thinking space is there any other people that you can point others towards if they want to learn from or hear about some great visual thinkers so many um obviously i would pick my newfound friend excel one keel i think her name is one keel not if I pronounced that right, but the founder of Joyfy. I met with her uh, a month ago down in uh, in Belgium to just discuss uh, potential projects together and so on. And she's she's even written a book that's really, really good. I really recommend that one. Um, and then uh, we have Todd Churches from the States who wrote Visual Leadership. He's also really a cool guy that you could follow on LinkedIn. He's really, uh, that book is amazing as well. Um, And then for beginners, I would say check out, uh, what is his name? Doug Neal on YouTube. He has uh, something called Verbal to Visual, which is a really, really good, that's how I got hooked really, watching his stuff. Verbal to visual. What was that? What was your first drawing, and how was it compared? How is it compared to how they turn out today? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I I found just the other day. I found an uh, an old notebook with really my first sketches, and I thought that was so good. <laughs> and obviously, you develop as you go. And I'm like, oh my gosh! Uh, um, so certainly a lot of. A lot has happened uh, for me as well. And uh, it's funny when people ask you, like, how how did you find your style or, or how did you uh, go about to learn this or that and so on? And I, I, still fi- I still find my visuals quite simplistic. 
uh, I use a lot of color and so on because I like the pop, but I, I'm still quite uh, simplistic in my drawing. Uh, so I haven't really, I, I haven't gone on, searched for a specific style. I just started out and that seems to be, be the way I draw stuff. Um, yeah, it really, but, but I mean, I learn new stuff all the time, so. I've continues to build out my visual library and, and so on and, and the usage of color and so. So uh, we'll see how what my style will look like in five years. I have no idea. You've touched on a really uh, interesting concept there in your, in your visual library. <laughs> I, I liken this to what I call my, my facilitation toolbox. And my facilitation toolbox is all of the things that I have at my disposal that I could use, could employ to help the mm. teams and companies I work with. And the one I choose is often co-created with those involved, mm. uh, but has come from years and years of practice, from getting inspiration from others, from mm. trialing and failing and erroring and, and updating and otherwise. Yeah. And the, the, the notion of a, a visual library is really interesting. So tell me more about your visual library and how it's developed. Uh, so I went on a training a couple of years ago, and that's where where I really started to uh, to understand what we mean about visual library, really, because I wasn't really familiar what we what we meant when we say that. But obviously, when we say visual library, we're talking about icons, basically. How um, what is the what is uh, the one icon you can you can pick up from your own head or library when you're talking about security. Well, uh, a lock, obviously, or, or uh, I don't know, something like that. A shield. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Um, so that's really what it is. And that's where I'm start, where I started to, uh, to explore. And I set out to try to find what kind of uh, icons I needed because I worked in the software development industry and, and needed a lot of icons for data, which can be a little bit, well, abstract maybe. Um, so that's how I started to build my first ones. And then I've noticed that I'm continuously picking up. I I watch a lot of, uh, obviously I follow a lot of other visual uh, communicators out there and I pick up one thing and maybe that guy uses uh, a cloud to visualize data. Well, that's brilliant. I add it to mine, and and uh, I just continue continuously fill my own library with inspiration from others, and then I do them my own style, and maybe develop them, and so on. Um, so yeah, basically finding inspiration from others. Very nice. I'd love to hear about your your process. So. Let's let's explore a scenario. You've decided you've got a a visual that you want to create. Mm -hmm. It's a, a process a process in the agile world. You've decided mm -hmm. I I really want to bring to life with visuals mm -hmm. uh, the concept of a scrum of scrums hypothetically. Yeah. Right? Now, how how would you get started, and what's your process for turning that concept into mm -hmm. something visual that you would then share with others? Uh, if I'm visualizing a process, I would really start sketching that out before, because obviously you you might want to shift around stuff and change that and swap this for another thing and so on. So I would start out just drawing uh, 
with pen and paper and using post-its. So um, first of all, I'll take a piece of paper and then I take my first post-it and then I do notes, at, as they say, like steps. And then I just place uh, post-its out like that and, and like quickly sketch the process out. And then I might swap around things or maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I, oh, I come to the conclusion that I really don't need this step or here I need to clarify this part and that, that, and so on. And uh, when I'm happy with that sketch, I'll go to my iPad and just draft it out there. So you start analog, quite physical with, with pens and paper, and then you transition that into the digital space. Yeah, exactly. If I'm doing a process, that is how I would go about because uh, the chances are that you want to swap things and you want to change order or you find that hey this is not really uh super clear you might want to change stuff and so on so that is obviously the the easiest way to go about interesting thanks for sharing now i'm keen to hear what do you think is the the area of the agile space that could do with the most visual thinking what what needs a bit of energizing a bit more a bit more creativity something different being done with it um, well, recently I've experimented as far as I, I've been able to in PI planning. Um, I've been having a lot of PI plannings remotely with a lot of people and getting everyone and large number of people on the same page, uh, can be quite, quite tricky. So using Miro or whatever is out there to create a, a shared space with a lot of uh, visual information has been something that I've tried a lot. Um, but I also, I do see a lack of roadmaps. Like people tend to do charts and, and do like roadmaps in Jira, which is just incredibly boring. So just like rough Quite rough sketches of a roadmap is really, really helpful, especially when communicating with uh, other people, stakeholders or people outside your, outside your organization. That's really, really uh, something that I'd like to see more of. I think that would be incredibly useful. What I'd love to see more of in that, in that specific uh, area is you, you see a lot of roadmaps or you see a lot of communications about roadmaps where they say, oh, we're going to release version one point something of a of a product or a feature like, yeah what the hell does that mean to mm. a customer right they that that doesn't make sense what's mm. going to be in that mm. so can you include some sort of visual representation of what that customer is going to gain from that release mm. so that you can easily see that on a roadmap and you might be able to see right we're going to see that in I don't know, November this year, we're going to get something that represents, uh, I don't know, a portal. Yeah, you know, we're going to get your own yeah. custom port, customer portal. And, and that's, you know, you're going to get that. And then a later release might include something around, I don't know, AI. You know, the hot exactly. Now, but, mm. Do you know what I mean? It's some sort of way of visualizing it that way. So it's not mm. just a few, a few lines saying version 1.3 or a random feature name but what does that actually mean for the customer's perspective yeah exactly and imagine if you have some sort of roadmap like that uh, preferably hand-drawn um compared to a chart or anything like that and then you can connect that to a story map and go to go with that roadmap and compare it to your story map and really get into detail like this is where we're currently at and this is where we're going and this is the function that we're talking about and so on and so on so i'd love to see that as well 
Yeah, me too. I, I also, as I mentioned, like the, I'd love the idea of seeing more contracts written in or, or, or construed in visual formats. Mm. I'd love to see, uh, I think sprint planning could do with a bit of a, a visual injection. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm trying to think of ways to, to bring a bit of life to that because that does seem very formulaic and repetitive. Indeed, backlog refinement. Mm. Uh, I've been experimenting or, or sharing ideas for, you know, uh, doing like a Tinder style backlog refinement where you oh. swipe left and swipe right on things. Yeah. Um, you know, swipe left means, oh, this is not, not a priority right now, whereas right means, yep, it needs <laughs> to be in there. And super light means it needs to be top of the backlog. Mm. Right? It needs to be right there because that's the top priority. Yeah. And just using just using that visual method of, mm. a, of a simple sorting process where yeah. backlog refinement can just energize things a little bit more than yeah. just some of the way the backlog refinement is, is commonly done. Yeah. And actually, uh, the tools that we that we're using, many of us are using currently, are you know we're um, they're developing quite uh, good things recently for instance you can connect jira to miro and get your or if you want to do something like that 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 you're describing then you can just uh with some sort of app uh download all the stories and connect that to jira and you can play around with that and maybe add some visuals or or so um and maybe uh just draw people out of that you because you, you tend to go to your system like jira whatever and then you sit there in remote meeting and people sort of zoom out as you say yeah mm. they lose focus they start thinking about what's for lunch or what my next meeting is going to be or yeah. start multitasking on other things because they've mm. got 100 emails coming through or, or that sort of thing so yeah. a huge huge believer in, in trying to energize things i do believe visuals are a, a great way of doing so so, Elena, let's let's get out our, our crystal ball to mm-hmm. glance into the future. How do you think visual thinking will evolve in the in the workplace, and what trends or new things should we be aware of that we could perhaps look forward to in that space? Um, well, I do I do think that we're uh, the interest the interest is so uh, people are so curious about this. And I think that it's just starting to uh, get sort of accepted to play a a little bit with in the workplace. And I think that that will certainly, um, it will certainly be more available further on. uh, If if we could get perhaps more managers and more senior management to accept like that this is a really cool tool this is a really useful tool it's okay and uh, if we could be able to um, use physical walls in the workspace and so on um, I really think that people will continue to experiment with the stuff and throw uh, throw things up on the wall and work more with uh, to a greater extent really than what, than what we do today. We might have a, a story map or we might have a Kanban board or whatever on the, on this, on the physical walls in your office space. But I think we can certainly expand that. Um, and it will be interesting to see as you started talking about what can, how can AI help us with that? Although I'm a little bit, I can't, I can't, you know, I, I do have a little bit like, is it, isn't that a little bit of a cheating to get 
AI to draw for you because I I really want people to draw for themselves. They I want them to draw and pick up a, a, a pen in their hand and, and draw something by themselves because of the release of endorphins and, and so on and the, the effect that that gives them. But as inspiration, yeah, sure. Um, but um, I just see, I just, I think that people will be, uh, it will just get more accepted than it is today, basically. I'm absolutely seeing a, a rise in acceptance and demand for this sort of thing. You see more and more agile coaches learning these sorts of skills and kind of uh, sharing those skills with others, um, yeah. using them in their trainings, their workshops, in in the delivery of their their talks and presentations. Mm. I almost feel like there's uh, there's multiple routes that could happen here. You could yeah. even you could either see people starting to become visual coaches where they go in and teach other companies how to become more visual yeah you, you could see uh existing agile coaches building the the visual coaching side into part of their toolkit yeah and it just becoming part and parcel of how the modern agile coach works hmm. so I, I see that as a, a potential in the in the future uh, and on, on the AI side, whew, that is such a, a crazy advancement. Mm. We are we're really not far away from you, you and I being in this meeting right now mm. and immediately afterwards there being a summary transcript in words that you could then very quickly convert into a bit of a visual story on a template. Yeah. I don't think we're that far away from you typing into ChatGPT, for example, mm. I would like a workshop on this topic. Yeah. And then it building a Miro template of that workshop for mm. you that you can then just use. Yeah. It's crazy how far it's advancing. And yeah. I, I, I get your, your, your concern about the, um, it not feeling as tangible and it not feeling mm. as, as uh, personally owned. Mm. But if you, if used as a, a medium for learning information and knowledge retention and inspiration uh, time time saving mm. so i think the concern the concern is is just like meeting minutes right nobody wants to sit down and record and write up meeting minutes it's a very mm. admin heavy time intensive um job to do yeah whereas if you had something that that took that burden off of you mm. and converted some of those 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 bits of text into into visuals, even if they're their simplistic iconography style visuals mm -hmm. would be a good starting point. And then obviously using the, the great skills of people like yourselves, you could then weave that into a much nicer narrative. Mm. So I'm very interested to see how that continues. Yeah. Right, folks, our time draws near. Now, Olena, how can our listeners learn more about you and your work as the Visual Agile Coach? Um, I would say go to my LinkedIn page. Uh, I have a couple of upcoming workshops, um, a couple of upcoming uh, conferences that I will attend as well. Uh, and just uh, connect with me. I'm happy to answer any questions or, or chat or whatever. So I would say go to the LinkedIn and connect with me. All right. So thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to our our future conversations and seeing more of your journey. I dare say I'll catch you at another one of those conferences mm. in the near future. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to the show folks to keep up to date with the latest episodes as they land. 
And as always, don't stop believing. Thanks, Elena. Thanks. You've just listened to another episode of the Virtually Agile podcast. Don't forget to check out www.thevirtualagilecoach.co.uk for one of the largest collections of free templates on the web on all things Agile. If this show provided value, I'd love your support by following or subscribing on your platform of choice. See you folks next time.